talks about things that interest technologists. Uh, we're your co-hosts. I'm Brian Jackson, and joining me is Brian Demers. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Awesome. Well, uh, today we also have joining us is Charity Majors of Honeycomb. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah welcome. we're excited to talk to you. Uh, we've got something different uh, this week. Uh, this is the first episode that Brian and I are actually co-located. Uh, so one, the sound quality is going to be a little worse for our listeners. Apologies on that. Um, but, uh, I'm excited that we're going to be, uh, kind of interacting, you know, face to face. Uh, Brian lives in, uh, New Hampshire. I live in, uh, the San Francisco Bay area. And, um, so we don't normally get to record this podcast, uh, in the same room. So does it ever exciting. stop being weird saying Brian and me? Uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, I have to think very carefully of, are people going to understand that I'm not just talking in third person, right? Yes, right. yes. I, I, every, everywhere I go, I work with uh, at least one other Brian. Um, so it's, it's, it's been it's been name. awkward like everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's a common name. Uh, so uh, our show is broken up into three segments. Uh, we have in our first segment, we talk about current uh, events uh, called In the News. Then we'll deep dive into uh, a discussion with Charity about what... Uh, she's up to, and then uh, at the end, we will leave the listeners with something to do. So why don't we dive right in? The first segment is, uh, like I said, it's in the news. Uh, we each pick one news story that uh, we read about recently that we'd like to discuss. Uh, Brian Demers, why don't you go <laughs> first? What is your uh, tech news? All right, so so I saw this, uh, I think today, but it's it's been sort of in the news for the last uh, few months and, and, and longer, if you think back to... Uh, uh, Virgin Galactic, or whatever the right, whatever they were kind of the first ones. Yeah, so Blue Origin is is you know getting into the space tourism market market. Um, so it's like an eleven minute flight to I guess space or near space. Yeah, uh, and I think it's four or five minutes of weightlessness, and the price tag is about you know about a half million. A quarter, sorry, a quarter million dollars. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing is Jeff Bezos is is going to sell off like a billion dollars worth of Amazon every year to help fund uh, get this thing rolling. Oh, really? I didn't read this article. Yeah, I'm yeah. not prepared. Wow, um, so really so it's 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 pretty interesting, and um, he doesn't want it to be a, a nonprofit. He wants to make money, which which I think is good. Mm. Um, but uh, the thing that interests me, and the thing that I always talk about with my wife, is I would love to go to space. I can't afford uh, this yeah, type of space travel, that price, right? uh, but my wife always thinks I'm crazy because uh, I think, oh, I would totally go to the moon if, if given the opportunity. So uh, I, I figured I'd throw it out to you guys um, to see if you, you felt the same way or you think, you know, obviously we're still very early into this. Mm. I don't know if I would, I would be on the first shuttle ride, uh, nor would I sign up for the, you know, the Mars flight, um, but I think, you know, given the opportunity... And uh, so, sort of ten runs into it, I would I would sign up if I had that kind of liquid cash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna throw it to charity first. Yeah, I, I mean, no one way trips for me. I'm kind of I'm gonna be old school <laughs> in that that way. Um, I would like to come back uh, if I ever go to space. Um, probably. I mean, I don't know. That could actually be a really cool way to die. Just be like, bye. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Actually, I'm pro that. If as long as I can take up a sufficient supply of like, I don't know. 
heroin or something really nice to just like go that just is like a great way I take it back I take it all back I would actually pay good money for that there you go <laughs> oh that's awesome. great um, I, I'm I think I'm closer to you Brian like I I would take the one way trip to Mars uh, I would you know colonize if I could um, if I had you know the disposable income for taking the flight I would totally take the flight up um, you know, at the current price range, but I can't afford that. Right, right. <laughs> um, so this is really interesting because, uh, you know, I've been following SpaceX a lot. I'm a big fan of the space program, but for some reason, Blue Origin has been something I don't follow that closely. I think Blue it's Origin less... is kind of stealth. Like, it doesn't yeah. have quite the marketing. And I wonder how right. much of it is because it's in Seattle, not San Francisco. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, very likely. You know, I, I, that's that's true. The and thing so, that I think people yeah. should remember, though, is that going to space is not going to be like going to the future. It's going to be like going back to, like, the yes. 1700s. Exactly. It's, it's, right. No it's television. It's frontier, right? It is the frontier. Yeah. You're going to be bored right. a lot. Get used yeah, to playing musical so exactly. instruments, entertaining yourself. Yeah. You got to rough it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm... I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about the future of it, um, and I'm excited about all of this. So, so what Virgin's doing, what um, you know, Blue Origin's doing, um, uh, Armadillo, uh, John, John Carmack uh, company, which is, I mean, he's been focusing more on Oculus these days. But I know that he recently mentioned that that's something that is, it's not dead. It's just um, you know, in uh, in stasis at the moment. Yeah. And then obviously SpaceX. Like all of this stuff is really interesting. The private yeah. private space sector. I, I, well, my I agree. little sister. My little sister is graduating from college and is a mechanical engineer, and she wants to go to space. So that's why I've been paying attention. That, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I, I really like how uh, there's more space things in the news, even yeah. if it's, you know, a few years ago, you know, it was Pluto, and then it was, you know, new planets discovered mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, uh, it, it's exciting because I, I have a young son, and, uh, you know, I remember being super excited about space. And for a while, I hadn't seen anything in the news. Mm. Um, so I hope this this helps uh, get kids excited about space and yeah just like stem you know stem yeah. and steam type stuff like just getting kids interested in the science and engineering and math of stuff i think it's great absolutely cool well um charity did you have something that you wanted to talk about i do actually i was reading <laughs> so <laughs> so fauna db i don't know if you're familiar with this um i, I am not yet okay so, well so fauna give me a little bit fauna of fauna.com um, I have been watching them pop up in Hacker News like crazy every couple of days and mocking them like crazy because they're like, <laughs> we're the serverless database. And I'm like, really? Um, and I keep being assured by many people that it's built by people who know what they're doing, like the good Twitter people, because Twitter has a reputation for, you know, having some really good engineers and a lot of really bad engineers. Um, but like, I, they published another thing today and it's like, we're infinitely fast. You have no scalability to ever worry about. And, and I'm just reading this. And like when they're like the serverless database, they really lost. I just like you're begging to be knocked, to be yeah. mocked. Like adaptive yeah. operational database built from the ground up without compromising on any one of these things. And it's like, no, 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 sorry. I know how this works. I know science works. You have to compromise on one of these things. Like the proof <laughs> has been published that you cannot optimize for reads and writes and space amplification. Maybe they're like, cloud, space is infinite, therefore write it everywhere. Like, I don't know, but they're not being very forward, they're not being very forthcoming about what they're sacrificing, therefore I can't trust anything. 
Yeah. I and just so want to know. I'm so curious and I'm left out. I don't get to know how it works. <laughs> Very frustrated. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I, I'm actually Googling right now. So I just pulled up their site. So, uh, you know, and I just downloaded the white paper. Oh, but yeah, they're going to exactly. be at Serverless Conf, um, which I'm also going to be at Serverless Conf at the end of the month. So I'm going to go to the nice. freaking talk and get some answers. Nice, nice. Yeah. It's like, uh, so you've seen the, the video or whatever, the, the MongoDB has web scale or <laughs> Yeah. Yes, hey, I keynoted yeah. that conference yeah. and I have the t-shirt oh, to prove it. Fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> It was so hilarious. At least they have awesome. a sense of humor. They printed up the MongoDB as web scale t-shirts. And I was like, okay. okay. Oh, that's great. But here, I got to say a thing. Like, look, I can mock MongoDB all day and all night. And I deserve to, goddammit. Like, I lived through those things. But Parse getting acquired by Facebook was perhaps the best thing that ever happened to MongoDB. Like, it's yeah. a real database now. Like, with the, with the you know, this pluggable storage engine API, like, that happened because Facebook acquired. And we were just like... Mongo, like Mark Callahan, who was the one who guided my SQL through the pluggable storage engine API era, and like he's a he's a god who walks among us. Like I worship that man, <laughs> and he took Mongo and like it's it, it is a it is a real database. It's young, yes. but it's it is so flexible. And like after spending time with like JSON queries, going back to SQL is so oh. painful. It is <laughs> yeah. so right, painful. right. Going yeah. back to having to manually fail over primaries? No! Like, yeah. there are some real reasons that MongoDB is better to administer and use, so. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I think the, the knock is on the the people who don't know, understand the, right. word, the buzzwords they're using. Exactly. Right, right. Then the technology, If you're using any, any, any technology incorrectly, it will bite you in the ass and you deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. In our, in our last episode, we were talking about um, uh, Cloud Spanner. Um, from Google, uh, the Google Cloud team, and it has a lot of the same promises. But we were talking about their white paper for Spanner, um, so it feels very topical. Like I, I now want to dig into what what's the special sauce of yeah. DB. Same, same. Right. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, in my uh, story, I wanted to is not so much a story as it is something that I discovered uh, this week, which is resin IO. Um, I believe I saw it on Hacker News, which is probably what you know got me uh, interested. Um, but what it is is it's like Docker deployments to Internet of Things devices and actually running Docker and containers on Raspberry Pis and various microcontrollers. Um, awesome service. I started poking around and just seeing how quickly I could take like my Raspberry Pi and deploy something like um, like I use my Raspberry Pi as a um, a 3D print controller, like I use OctoPrint, um, which is a really great thing for um, giving a web interface for my, my 3D printer. And it took me like 10 minutes to push that same thing out to my my um, my, my Raspberry Pi, uh, which is really cool. Like, I mean, that maybe isn't the, the use case that they've built it for, um, but the idea of actually, you know, having this swarm of Internet of Things devices that you can push Docker containers to, so cool, and and the service is really well built. Um, I don't know if either of you have had any experience I, with. I it. saw it. Um, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe. Um, so I bought a uh, an Intel Edison sort of shortly after they came out uh, with Spark Funds, like a uh, pack of of I don't know, devices, whatever you call it, backpacks or name name your buzzword for these things, hats. Backpacks, shields, whatever. Um, but anyway, so I, I they didn't have support at the time for the Edison. It was coming, um, but then I 
you know, haven't played with it since then. So mm. I can't, yeah. I don't have I any have experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was cool. It was like, uh, it felt very Heroku, like as far as like the interface and oh, how cool. easy it is to like, nice. you know, set it up and push in like that. Uh, as I've, I continue to mention Heroku cause they're like my, my gold standard of a great like user experience, <laughs> Seriously. um, you know? And so like, uh, I usually like, it's like the Heroku of X, Y, and Z <laughs> is the biggest compliment I can usually pay something. So yeah, it's really cool. So I, I recommend listeners uh, at least go poke at it and check it out, especially cool. if you've already got like a Raspberry Pi or, you know, one of the other like microcontrollers that they support. And there's like 30 different devices that they support. All right. So I think that brings us to the end of In the News. Um, so uh, I would like to talk with Charity more about what you're doing. Um, but before we dive into the interview segment, uh, I'd like to ask all of our guests, uh, since this is a very broad topic and different people have different definitions, but Charity, what does DevOps mean to you as uh, you know, a buzzword, a tool, a uh, uh, it's the thing that people say and they just start involuntarily twitching. Ah, <laughs> there you I, go. That's, you know, that's a good response. <laughs> I, I hated, I have, I have hated that term like long, I've hated it hard, I've hated it yeah. so much, but um, now that I'm a startup founder and like I am like learning to market things, it's like, okay, people understand what it means. It doesn't mean anything. But like, okay, so as long as you're not saying DevOps engineer, like if you're saying DevOps engineer, go fuck yourself. Like it's not, would you say you're an agile engineer? Like would you say that you're a continuous integration engineer? Come yeah. on. Right, right. No. Absolutely. God, I hate that. But like I feel like. I feel like the first wave of DevOps, they can be as fancy as they want to about be like, yeah. oh, it's about, you know, empathy and stuff. No, it was about teaching ops people to learn to code. It was about lecturing ops people to be more like software engineers. And that's yeah. fine. That's cool. Honestly, message received, like a lot of us leveled up a lot, and it was it was a good message. We needed to hear it. But I feel like we're in the second wave of DevOps now, which is all right, software engineers. Time to learn to operate your services. Time yes. to learn to think about what you're building holistically to design with maintenance in mind. Because if you look at it, if you amortize the life of your software over time, the cost of developer developing it, the time spent develop, de developing it is approximately zero. It's nothing, it's literally nothing. And if you didn't push it to production, if you're not operating it, it was useless. It had no value. So. Operations is by far the most important part of software engineering, and it's time. It's time to level up. Awesome. I like that. I love that. Yes. You, you win. get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cool. So, uh, but uh, so Charity, tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, you know, you're CEO and founder of Honeycomb. Tell us, you know, what Honeycomb is for our listeners. And, yeah. Um, yeah. What you're up to. Totally. Um, so Honeycomb is is a project that seems to be succeeding um, to my as a systems person I just assume everything's gonna fail <laughs> uh, uh -huh. when I left uh, all right so backing up you know I was back into lead at, at parse for a few years through the Facebook acquisition and by the time we got acquired uh, we had 60,000 mobile apps uh, on our platform and we had uh -huh. built a system that was effectively undebuggable despite being built by some of the greatest engineers I've ever worked with using mm. cutting edge everything. It's just platform problems that deal with like high cardinality where you have to like, you know, you have 100,000 requests per second. You have a user that's doing three requests per second, but maybe they're Disney, you know? Anytime you're doing these aggregates where you pick a time interval, even if it's a second, and you roll 
you smudge up your data in that irate, you just cannot see, you know, that level of detail. Mm -hmm. So, like, we get acquired by Facebook. We got some stuff into Scuba. If you've read the white papers in Scuba, they're all out there. And we built scaffolding on top of it, and it changed our life. Like, the like by the time I left, we had a million mobile apps, and uh, we would have been so screwed <laughs> if we hadn't done this. Um, but like when I got ready to leave, uh, I I wasn't really planning on starting a company. But then I was like, well, you know, I'm in Silicon Valley. I really should at some point. And my um, perceived value is never going to be higher than it is leaving Facebook because I'm sure as hell never going to a big company again. So <laughs> um, what should I do, you know? And I started looking around with the intent of be being like, well, where's the where's Google? Like, it's been four years since I looked around for this stuff. Surely open source has come a long way. Surely services have come a long way. And then like, oh my God, we're still using RD tool? Seriously, is this what we're doing as an industry? Datadog? Like, that's the best RD tool that's ever going to be built, but it's not really fundamentally more than that. We're still using the tools that we use for LAMP stacks, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So we kind of figured, well, if somebody wants to dump $2 million in our lap, we'll go build it, you know, and then at least we'll have it any place we ever go after, after, uh, after this. Um, but I've kind of got religion now. Um, after a year, year and three months working on this, um, I actually think that we have the opportunity to do for observability what Docker just did for release engineering, mm -hmm. which is make it uh, self-servable by software engineers, make it native, make it part of their workflow, and and like it just it, it empowers them to to do enough that you can actually hold them like uh, accountable and responsible for their own stuff. So at a high level, what Honeycomb is, it's a, a tool for debugging and understanding complex systems. You know, um, God, I could rant about this for a long time, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like we know that there's this freight train of complexity that's bearing down on us, right? Um, yeah. Distributed systems, microservices, like polyglot persistence. I think that like containers with the fluidity, fluidity of the, you know, ephemeral, uh, there's no host, you know, it, it was kind of the tipping point for a lot of people that bumped them over from things mostly work to things mostly don't work. Mm. Uh, and I really believe that we need less monitoring and more um, instrumentation, more debugging, more yeah. looking at our systems when things are healthy. Because it's just like, you know, talking in your relationship. If you only talk when things are bad, you don't actually know what healthy feels like. Yeah. I'm going to oh, pause wow. for a breath and let you talk. Yeah, but no, that's what's that, is, that is such a great, I mean, man, that is such a great analogy because uh, it's so true. Um, you know, I, I know lots of people who are using, you know, whether it's an Elk stack or Splunk and, you know, that's, it's all about just like disaster recovery, you know, yeah. like trying to, trying to figure out what went wrong versus yeah. just being able to sense and understand. Yeah, exactly. What, um, what it feels like when things are healthy. You know, the best engineers in the world that I ever got to work with at Facebook, they spent like half their time in their IDE writing code and half their time in Scuba understanding it. Mm. And I think we all need to get used to writing less code and understanding it more in the yeah. future, you know? Like, you don't get to just ship your code and assume that your unit tests and integration tests are going to catch everything, because guess what? It should catch everything that you can find in an artificial environment, and that is not everything. It never will be. No, we uh, company I worked for uh, 
somebody pushed some code out the other day and, and uh, mm -hmm. they had the same problem. You know, it went through all their integration tests, everything was fine, but the data in production was slightly different and, uh, you know, they had to roll something back. Um, so, you know, it was like, it was a late night thing and, yeah. you know, every, everyone has stories like this, but. Yeah. Um, yes. Push to production it, you know. Need to be in the habit. Yep. Everybody, yeah. you push a thing, you go and you look at it. You just poke around. You explore. Which means, because like the, the, the issue here is not the known unknowns, it's the unknown unknowns. You know? Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. know. Which means, if you think about, like, if you like bring that back to how you're storing bits on disk, if you don't know what the questions are, you don't know what the answers are, you don't know what data you're going to use, so you should gather everything means you need really, really wide events, you know, uh, you need, and metrics are not enough. Metrics are crap, dude. Metrics are a dot, right? You have no context. You have nothing tying these things together. Like event-driven debugging lets you tell a story about the world, about what's happening. Uh, so you need this richness. You need to be able to sample intelligently to, to keep things cost-effective, you know, uh, vertically, but horizontally, you need to keep bits of everything because you don't know what's going to be you know, like, let's yeah. think about the kinds of questions that we have to answer in the future. It's like, you know, well, Instagram, you know, well, people are reporting that photos are loading slowly, but only people in France. No, wait, it's people from French language nations who are running this, running this version of iOS on that device who have upgraded our app. Uh, who are looking at photos of their dog. You know, it's these kinds of things. You cannot <laughs> pre-generate all these dashboards and you shouldn't try. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's so true. It's like if I get another email for uh, the disk is 90% full. Uh, it's like, <laughs> right. It's like what, it's such a useless data point, you know? So, you know, in awesome. the future, it's like there are no more easy problems because we've automated them out of existence. You know, single yes. node, blah, blah, blah. There are only hard problems. There are only interesting new questions to ask and we don't have tools for that. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so so talk a little bit more about how Honeycomb is solving that, you know, and, and yeah. the interface, you know, for, especially for our listeners who maybe don't have any experience with it yet. Totally. Yeah, well, so we started out thinking that we wouldn't have to write a database. Turns out we had to write a database. <laughs> uh, a column store. It's, it's, it's a storage engine. It's really just an optimized file format. That's what I tell myself so I can sleep at night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's no schema, right? Yeah, we just we accept JSON blobs at the API. Uh, just, you know, we actually rolled out nested JSON uh, this week. So, yeah, we just we take JSON blobs and a write key. Um, and, you know, it gets written out to a columnar store. And this means that there's no schema, right? You want to start tracking something, you just toss it in, key value pair, you know, and you can start aggregating on it immediately. There's no indexes. Indexes are another pet peeve. Like, oh, I can only efficiently search by these five things? Thank you. I'm paying you millions of dollars for the privilege of grepping my own log files. <laughs> you know, <laughs> screw that. I need to be able to aggregate everything as soon as I've sent it into the system, you know? I don't know what I'm going to need to, it's almost like a BI approach to systems, you know? It's like, well, what if I had this? Hmm, what if I had that? Maybe the 98th percentile, maybe 99.9th percentile. You just need to be able to play with it. Like, and this accidentally just makes you a better engineer, you know? Let me tell you, like scrolling up and down dashboards with your eyes and trying to visually pattern match does not make you a better engineer. Asking no. questions of your running systems, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, so we're focused on that, you know, like uh, providing this very um, flexible um, but opinionated um, consumer quality developer tool. Like my co-founder Christine and I, like 
she wrote the analytics product at Parse and I did backend engineering. And the lesson that we brought away from Parse was um, engineers are people too. <laughs> and the tools we build ourselves are crap. You know, we're subject to the same human biases and tendencies. And, and the thing about an opinionated tool is it lets you use your intuition instead of having to memorize how it works. You know, so it feels natural. It feels you can you can use it and in your sense of flow. You know, when you're just like you're you're on the hunt for something and and you're not having to like stop and look up syntax. You mm. know, it's like the difference between PHP and like Python. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I so, work with a PHP guy and I, I'm always giving him a hard yeah. time. And I, I feel I like can never remember I feel like stuff. he takes it personally now. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, and this is the last thing, I, I could rant forever, but this is the last thing I want to talk about, which is the like, yeah. so those are the primitives, right? Exploring your data and getting used to like getting your hands dirty, um, putting it in front of your software engineers, like SDKs, et cetera. But like, after that, like we engineers, we tend to jump straight to like predictive analytics, <laughs> like yes. anomaly detection, like machine learning and stuff. And of course we do. We like it when robots do work for us. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> but we like, ourselves. yes, but I feel like there's something that we're jumping over right there in the middle, which is like, what is my team doing? <laughs> what, what did I do last week? You know, all the richness of our history, yeah. uh, all of the like, is this repeating in my system? All of the like, what does the person who built this think I should look at first? Yes. You know, what does my team member think I should look at first? What does like, what do none of us say we should look at first and yet all of us do look at first? <laughs> you know, what is the, the postmortem that, what was the outage that we had like six months ago that was sort of like this, but not exactly, but I'm going to go find that archive postmortem that has, you know, like a, a graphs that everybody like collaborated on that has their view of that outage for their service. And I'm going to like smell it and like, oh shit, it was that memcache bug, you know? It, like I feel like we debugging is a social activity. Like it just is. Like yes. nobody builds great software alone, and and the mechanics of this being a social act are the same even if it's you, your past self, and your future self. Right? You're still like leaving breadcrumbs and like explaining what you're seeing back to yourself in the interface so that you can interpret it next week. Yes. Yes. So that's what we're really passionate about, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I'm getting super excited about it. I'm like, okay, I need to start using this. This is amazing. Yes, please. Um, yeah, right. And so, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more about what's the interface like, you know, as far as the. Oh, man. The, I like, I, I, I get the you. concepts and the, yeah. Yeah, the, the problems that you're trying to solve. So, Walk me let's through see. Have you some used... of those pieces. So there's a screen. There are screenshots I think up on our on, on our website. Yes, uh, yes the, So exactly. The, totally. The, I will definitely include links in the in cool. the show notes. But it's like basically we're trying to keep it dead simple because here's the other thing. Like you asked about DevOps, and DevOps, it's like it's the tearing down of silos, right? Well, how are right. those silos constructed? Usually, it's because every team has their own tools. You know, and they spend more time arguing about the nature of reality as defined by their respective tools than about the actual problem that they're trying to jointly solve, right? Yeah. So we believe really passionately in, in simplicity and ease of use, not having to memorize a query language, being able to kind of point and click and poke and use shortcuts and like the, your history 
and your team's history and anything that anyone's doing when they're poking around, you know, because like getting from a blank screen to something meaningful is hard. Getting from something meaningful to the nearby answer is way easier, you know? So like if you, if you see a screenshot, it's just, there's a SQL-esque grammar at the top. It's like breakdown by, you know, one of these things we like autocomplete, make it easy, um, aggregate by, you know, and then just, and they're basically knobs to draw multiple graphs or multiple lines on the graph. And we do read time aggregation, which is why it's wicked fast. And you can be like, mm, give me the 99.9 percentile, you know? Uh, oh God, here's one of my favorite things. So I come from database land, right? Um, and the reason databases are hard is because we have crap tools for them. Like the only tool that most <laughs> so people true. know is like, look for the slow queries. And when they're getting slower, something's wrong. So go tune those queries. Well, what if you didn't change those queries anytime in the last few months? Well, huh, probably it's because those are read queries and those can yield, right? So whenever there's contention by the writes on a lock or a row, well, all of the reads get slower, but none of the tools out there are gonna surface this to you. So you're just like fighting these queries that haven't changed and you have a problem. But if you have this, where you have access to the raw rows, you can just sum up the time that's spent on any of the rows or the locks. And then you just see it. Oh, contention growing. <laughs> Better fix that. You know, like if just apply, we believe in building this as a lingua franca to like unite teams. We're pitching this in, in usability terms, not to the best engineers in the world, but to like technical support teams and like CEOs. We really want people to be able to use it without having to engage their brain on the tool. <laughs> they engage their brain on the data that the tool is exposing. Uh, yeah, that makes so much sense. So uh, let me take a step back and for maybe for our listeners who maybe are lost in all of this, maybe, they, maybe they're not used to this, or maybe they've, they've used uh, Splunk, Splunk or, yeah, yeah. or Kibana, right? Um, wh why am I going yeah. to choose to integrate Honeycomb into the totally. stack? Yeah, so it's very Splunk-like. Like a lot of Splunk users find it, they love it. They're like, oh my God, it's beautiful. And I'm like, dude, what are you used to? <laughs> I get it though, you know? Uh, it's way simpler than Splunk. It's very clean, but it the bones yeah. are very similar, right? Kibana, not the same. Kibana is like fixed. It's a fixed interface that is, it's pretending to be interactive. It's not really, and it, and it has these, um, it always has those time series aggregates, right? So you have yep. these globs of data. You don't actually have access to the raw events, which is why you like fuck around with Kibana for a while and then you're like downloading logs from S3 to get to the actual answer, <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, I, I give you my, my word as an engineer, you will not have to go back to those freaking logs anymore. Um, but it is very, it is very much similar to the, um, the price. log aggregators. Yeah. Like yeah. we're kind of at the nexus of APM cause it's native for the code you're instrumenting and, um, like the data dogs, the monitoring metrics and the log aggregators, you know, it's mo most like the log aggregators, but like everyone runs into a wall with data dog or runs into a wall with new relic because they pre-generate all the stuff and it's great, but then you just want to tweak it. You just want to ask that, but for one user, you just want to, and you can't. Right, right, right. Wow, this is awesome. Uh, 
I love your passion. Um, and I love, uh, you know, the space that this is solving because it, it really does seem like there's a need. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're totally going to fail, but we're not going to fail for the... <laughs> 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 no, I mean, we're going to... This is the future. It, it, it can't not be the future. It has to be because, I mean, I, I've lived this story and it's it's terrible. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and I like that, you know, you're, you're, you're very candid about that. Like, yes, the, the hot buzzword right now is to say that you've got some deep, you know, machine learning uh, as a yeah. part of this and predictive analytics. Um, <laughs> but you're right. There's that missing section. Uh, and you know what? Really you know, I've seen demos for some of these guys that's in the predictive analytics, and they have achieved the magical power of being able to graph last week over this week and last month over this month. And you won't get, get this. Uh, last year over this year they know when christmas is coming every year it's like <laughs> it's, christmas you know, the it's, super bowl yeah it's, yeah, uh, yeah monday exactly. yeah. it's super it's super fundable though like it it just makes like the money rain from the heavens but it's not that <laughs> awesome um uh brian do you have any other questions for charity probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of still in awe here about uh about all of this and, and how exciting it is. I, I, I did hear uh, you say wicked. Uh, so I uh, am in New Hampshire, so the East Coast. Are, are you uh, did, did are you from the Boston area or anywhere? Or I am not. Ah, so so where does that it, term come from? I think it's from? a Valley Girl thing too. And I oh, okay, like, all right. You know, wicked cool, man, or surfers or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we say we, we say wicked a lot. I do not say wicked pisser. I'm not. I'm, I'm a no, little north I of don't, that. I don't know that but, one. But I do say wicked. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, it sounds like we might be uh, coming to a close here. Uh, Charity, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that we chatted about uh, on the podcast? Um, are we coming to uh, – is the next section the thing to do after? Okay, yeah, exactly. Good. So we'll, good. we're going to do that. So. Okay, cool. Good. So, yeah, save that in, in just a moment. Okay. Uh, so, great. Well, uh, you know, so thank you so much for Thank uh, you for having us. me. This is really fun. Yeah. Um, so where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're working on? Um, the Honeycomb blog, we actually have a launch coming up on Tuesday. It's going to be pretty cool, yes. We're going to, like, go public. Um, but, you know, Yay. sign up. It's going to be fun. Oh, and I also have a blog at charitywtf.org or something like that. I don't know. Nice. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that top level That's like two, 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 in a week, uh, uh, yeah. two in a row, I think. Uh, charity.wtf. That's right. It's the TLD. Charity.wtf. That's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> our, our last week's guest had a, a WTF. Yeah, Everybody exactly. should. <laughs> I, I think I need to grab mine. Um, so, uh, Brian. Yeah, so I, I can also be found on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know if I should say also now, but um, Brian Demers, all one word. Yes. Um, and, and this has been, I'm still sort of in awe, like shocked, like how how excited you you are about this and like yeah. i i, I want to stop this right now and go and go try it out i know exactly <laughs> um and i can be found also on twitter i'm at jackson j-a-x-z-i-n but before we go uh we'd like to leave our listeners with something to do so this is where each week we'll we'll leave you the listener with something to watch read play or try out in some other way Brian, uh, why don't you go first? What did you want to leave? All right, so uh, Signal. So uh, this app's been around for a while, um, but people that I work with uh, have been have been bugging me to get get on it. So it's it's basically end to end encryption. Um, yeah. There's uh you so know. So just you, said you you went through it quickly. Signal. Is oh, the name Signal. Of the app? Yep. So there's an app. Uh, there's also a, like a Chrome extension or a Chrome app. Chrome app. Um, so you can trust. You can uh, trust your. Uh, 
your coworkers or whatever, you scan a QR code. So so that's how is that the, how the, the handshake relationship? Works? Yep, the handshake. Got it. Um, so you basically are exchanging a key in that yep. in that. Yep. Sense. So yeah. it's it's pretty simple. Um, it, I just started using it. I don't know, probably two days ago. So yeah. everybody everybody I've been uh, traveling with in the hotel, we're all communicating that way. And uh, yeah. um, so I I'd heard about it in the news, and uh, uh, I think both pros and cons in the news recently. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. So I figured. Um, other people would like it and check it out. Yeah, so it, the idea is that it encrypts it with those keys on your device and then sends it through, I'm assuming, Signal's servers and their yep. service, but it's encrypt, encrypted end yep. to end. Encrypted the whole way, so uh, uh, device to device. Yeah. So I've been told, so I've read it anyway. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> very cool. I haven't used this yet, but uh, Charity, have you used Signal or oh, yeah, heard of it? Oh, yeah, totally. No. Cool. You're on board. It's a great app. Oh, awesome. <laughs> So, uh, Charity, did you have something that you wanted to leave our listeners with? I do, and it's not really a tech thing, but I've just read right. it for the fourth or fifth time. I would like to plug a book called um, Dancing in the Streets, A History of Collective Joy by Barbara Ehrenreich. It is, you know, this is kind of a depressing time in the world, and it's, it's really beautiful, and it reminds me of, um, you know, the, the real hunger that we have for community, and for doing things communally, not just sitting, you know, alone, but like, and she's, she's a, she was a woman who wrote Nickels and Dined, which was one of the first big exposés of like the low wage economy. She's a bleeding heart, socialist, commie, pink, or whatever, you know, but uh, <laughs> she really has this um, real appreciation for, like, if you think about it, we are forebears, you know, ancestors who are starving to death most of the year, set aside like a whole month most of Europe for feasting. Like, why? Mm. Because it reminds us what life is about. Yeah. And, you know, she talks about carnival, which, you know, where the, the social castes would flip for a while. Um, it's beautiful. Oh, um, yeah. I love it. Highly recommend. Oh, awesome. That's, that sounds that's... really, really awesome. Uh, I'm looking at it right now uh, on my iPad, and uh, this looks awesome. This yeah, that, cool. it does remind me a little. So, um, I don't know, probably, I guess my, my son just turned 11, so uh, 12 years ago, <laughs> I was working from home. Uh, I wouldn't leave the house for days, mm. uh, and it was so bizarre to like go to the store yeah. uh, or whatever. And I'm a pretty social person, I think, or try to be, And uh, but I, I, I really started becoming like a hermit. Yep. And uh, so, uh, you know, as my son got into the school system and, uh, you know, I met other people in my t the town I live in and, and like... Uh, I sort of reconnected with people, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, it's it. I can totally relate. We are um, social animals. To, to even introverts absolutely. like us, even deep introverts absolutely, like us, we right. are social animals. Right. I want I want my alone yeah. time, but yeah. then then I want my social time too. Yeah. <laughs> they say yeah. that. Um, well, uh, there was this beautiful, sad article by Atul Gawande. Um, solitary confinement is the most brutal form of torture. Torture. As reported that, yeah. by people who have suffered both, they're like, don't leave me alone for that long, which is creepy. Wow. You know, yeah, that's all. Yeah, we'll that's leave on the note of torture and uh, <laughs> solitary confinement. Awesome. <laughs> Very uplifting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Dan dancing in yeah. the streets. Torture in the street. and... <laughs> Very cool, yeah. But we'll we'll have a link to the show notes uh, in the show notes to the book um, because uh, it looks like a great book. Uh, I think I'm gonna pick that up. Um, so my thing uh, this week, uh, I have uh, recently 
caught up with the crowd and started playing uh, Settlers of Catan with my family. It was uh, I'm, I've probably played it four times so far. Um, my kids are eight and ten, and they picked it up really easily. Uh, I was at my friend's Christian, my friend Christian's house, uh, and he had had it, and finally got to play it for the first time, and had so much fun. I I almost immediately went out and bought it, and um, it was it's so much fun. It's such a great game. Um, you know, for those who, who don't know what it is, it's kind of like Monopoly, but way better. Like, and, yeah. and a really cool, like, interesting ecosystem <laughs> of trade and, and trade, you know, basically building roads and building cities. Uh, and it's a great, like, family game. Um, and uh, so, uh, Brian, I think you've played yeah. this. So, so it's funny you mentioned Monopoly. So there, there's a video that came out, I don't know, sometime in the past year about uh, why Monopoly sucks. Yeah. And you should not play Monopoly because it sucks, right? Um, and Monopoly came out, whatever, 120 years ago or whatever. And obviously we can do different things with games now. But um, so I've played um, uh, Catan or Catan or yeah. however you pronounce it. But it's uh, so I have the latest edition. Yep. Uh, so I bought it, I don't know, not too long ago. But uh, So they stripped off the Settlers of part, which yes, is strange. that was confusing for me. Yes. Because uh, I was trying, to, I was Googling it, and, and I was getting it on Amazon, and I'm like, is this the right thing? Because it just says Catan, Catan. Yep. You know, and it's, so. It's, this is sort of one of the uh, the Holy Trinity or the trifecta of board games, the, the current board games. So there's, yeah. there's Catan, there's Ticket to Ride, and I think the other one is, um, oh, I forget. You'll come uh, up with that? Uh, we'll yeah, Car Carcassonne. So, uh, I've not yeah. heard of that one. I've, yeah, I've, it's good. I've played it's, Tickets it's, to Ride, yep. um, but I have not. So we play a lot of Tickets to Ride, and we yeah. play a lot of uh, Catan at my house. So we have we have the base game. We have the base game for multiple for the other extra two people. We have uh, Seafarers, which is I totally recommend. Yeah, uh, that should be the next one you buy. Is that Seafarers? Oh, absolutely. Seafarer. Okay, it, it only adds my, like two my kids rules. are already ready yeah, to yeah, buy it's two rules, and then uh, we also have like knights and something or other. Uh, which adds like a thousand rules. So if you like yeah. lots of extra rules, huh? then that one. But Seafarers is is easy to use. Uh, yeah, okay. that's, <laughs> I think that's going to be more my speed. Especially my my son's eight, and he's just at the cusp of like yep. really being able to grok like this game, and he's doing an awesome job. And, and so this, we all love it. This is one of those games that's almost. It's probably in every uh, every startup. Do Do you have a game? Charity, do you have a copy in your in your office? We don't. We did a park. We don't have oh. a copy here, but you know, you're saying this, and I'm like, oh, we don't have games here yet. It's crazy. Uh, All right, yeah, yeah I'm making we, a we list. We had a game night last night, and the only game we could find in the office was was Catan. Was Catan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah. a long so, uh, game. So, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't play. Somebody actually brought one from home, and they, they came, and we ended up with a game. But the only game that lived in the office was was this. Uh, cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, good. I I, I knew it was popular. Um, I, obviously, I, I picked it up on um, various like video podcasts and podcasts that I've I've listened to and watched over the years. That I was like, I have to play this game. I finally did, and it totally paid off. I really enjoyed it. it it's a great so. um, gateway board game. I yeah. think I've heard it explained. So, yes. So once you start getting playing this game, uh, because it, it's sort of easy-ish to learn, I think, or, or it's it's. Uh, it's social. It's a very social game, so yep. it fits in <laughs> what we were just talking about. Um, uh, but but that opens you up to like, oh, I like board games still. Yeah. Uh, right. So like, so then it's you know, not there's... just for like Monopoly when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Like I can play board games. You know, it's like Monopoly and Clue and Candyland. It's like, oh no, they're like adult board games that I can. All right, play. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Cherry on the spot. What's your favorite board game? Oh, geez. Um, 
Yes, a bug house actually. I oh, really that's a good house. one. That, that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, and what was that last one? Bug house. Bug, bug house. Four person chess. I don't know bug house. Where you take a piece, it's time, oh. you each get two minutes, you have a partner, and every time you take a piece, you hand it to your partner and they get to put it on the board anywhere they want. Speed chess with four oh, people. Wow. Yeah, it's fabulous. I don't have the Whoa. patience for normal chess, but bug house is fucking fantastic. Bug, bug house? Bug house. Oh, I'm yeah, going to check great. this out. This is awesome. It's great, especially for oh, like mediocre cool. chess players with short attention spans who like fun. That's me. That's us. And whiskey. Yeah, that's, that it's like a perfect me. night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. That, that's a, the other board game we have in our house is chess. So yeah. That's but really you need cool. two. You need two boards. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Saying. Yeah. Four person Do chess. it. All right. Cool. Bug house. Awesome. Cool. Well. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Uh, this has been this has been very exciting. Uh, I've been, I've enjoyed this. So have I. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so um, our listeners can find us on our website at codemonkey.fm, and you can email us at feedback at codemonkey.fm. Um, we have a subreddit, Slack, all the normal uh, various. Come social chat links. with us, please. Yes. You know, uh, our our listeners, we'd love to interact directly with you guys. So. Uh, come join with us and um, hey if you like this episode uh, do us a favor and uh, review us on your favorite podcast finder of choice uh, whether it's iTunes or Google Play Overcast or another um, that would be really great and, get, and it helps us get heard by more people so uh, thanks again to Charity thank you for your time it was awesome talking thanks for having me yeah and uh, great. we'll see you uh, we'll see everybody next week yay